Alright, let me talk about some phobias. Some phobias. I'm not going to pr- pronounce these correctly, but we'll give it a go. Arachibatiphorobia is, I should get you to guess, shouldn't I? Is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. It's terrible. Has anyone, anyone suffered from that one? It's a whew. All right, what about this one? This one's a shocker. Hippopotamososostrosisophobia is the fear of long words. The person that made that up, that 36 letters long to describe a phobia of someone who has long, long words, has a lot to answer for. Um, Ablutopophobia is the fear of washing, bathing or cleaning. I think my brother suffered from that for quite a few years. And the pentaraphobia, pentaraphobia is the fear of mother-in-laws. Show of hands? No, 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 keep your hands down, keep your hands down. There, there are some things we should be scared of and there are other things that we shouldn't be scared of. But fear has become distorted. So we're often scared of the wrong things, which isn't the way God wants us to be. This passage from Joshua kind of starts to delve into that and that's what I want to head today. It starts, Joshua son of Nun, which doesn't mean that Joshua was an orphan and it doesn't mean that his mother wore a habit. It means that Nun was the family name. Joshua hears from God after the death of his mentor and his friend and his leader and his hope carrier. Moses, my servant, is dead. Not the most pastoral moment from God. Now then, God says, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. And what was Joshua's response? Terror, right? Like, what? just cross the uncrossable river, face a completely unknown land, fight against multiple formidable enemies and armies and then organise this rabble of people not only into a functional cities but a functional country after being homeless for, I don't know, forever. That's no biggie, right? Joshua was terrified. And we know this because of what God says next. God says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. You don't need to hear, be strong and courageous if you're full of confidence. right? Sometimes, Linda asks me to go grocery shopping. She gives me the list. She doesn't say, and Ralph... (laughs) Be strong and courageous. You can do this. Because I'm actually quite capable of grocery shopping. I don't know, surprise, but I am. But however, sometimes Lyndall says, now my birthday's coming up and what I'd like, and she proceeds to describe in great detail where it is, how much it is, where I should get it. That's the moment I need to be strong and courageous, right? Because that task is daunting. I do not know how to go there. And what I'd rather say is, hun, just come with me. Just come with me. Make it so much easier. Which is what Joshua's heart is to God. Because God says, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'm not just, go on, just go do it. I am with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. So God promises to be with Joshua and then tells him to be courageous. He's saying, choose courage. Joshua. Choose courage. 
It's, it's easy to think that God should give us courage and then we should face whatever horrendous thing we're facing and be like, it's all good, God has given me courage, I'm good to go. But when we feel scared, what do we do? We go, God, you've betrayed me, you've let me down, it's your fault, I feel so scared. Maybe it's my faith. But that's not how courage works. Courage is a decision we make. I don't know if you've ever stood on a diving board. It doesn't matter what diving board it is. But there's part of you that says, I know this was made for jumping off, but I shouldn't do it. Right? Because the end is going to be bad. And so you're there, and the only way to jump off is to step forward. Right? The fear doesn't go. The fear's still there. It's just that your courage becomes greater than the fear. And so in that moment of jumping off, your courage overwhelms your fear and you leap. And you have a wonderful trip down to the water and find out it's a lot harder than you thought it would be when you first jump into water. I don't understand that, but there you go. You have to choose to be more courageous than fearful. It's a choice we make. That's what courage is. So God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous and then gives Joshua a high five and stands back and says, go on, take the land, let's see how this goes. It doesn't work that way, does it? It doesn't make sense. That it, in fact, it's not very helpful that it works that way at all. But that's how we think it works. right? Not in such clear, stark terms, but we say, God, give me the courage to overcome this. All right, I've got the courage now. I've got this. I can handle it. Just, it's all good, God. I, I've got this. I can go forward alone in this. And the massive problem with this is what about when we encounter those things that require more courage than we could possibly summon? We receive that dreaded news from the doctor. The finances that have been invested for retirement actually don't look like they're going to stretch to be enough. The kids or the grandkids are sick. You have a fight with a lifelong friend and you're like, is that the relationship? Is it gone? I don't know what to do. I just feel so, so terrified of what this means. Things at church become so hard you just don't know what to do. What happens in those moments? When we realise that we do not possess the courage we need to actually make a difference, what do we do? Well, that's where Josh's story becomes really helpful. As I was with Moses, so I am with you, God says. The most important fact is that God is present with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is not only present, he will be present forever. There's no high five, see how it goes. It's I am with you in this and through this. I'm side by side with you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And here's the gold. Strength and courage, they come from God's presence, not our own. You don't need to have enough courage. You don't need to have enough strength. That exists and belongs to God. That he says, I'm going to share this with you. What, and I'll explain how it works. I've got two kids. You may have seen them. They're actually pretty calm today. Good job, guys. Well done. Front row as well. Set an example. Amazing. Doesn't even ask to do it. I said, Do you want to sit front row? She's like, Yeah. Wow. Hope that lasts forever. So, Zari or Azaria is 21 years old, trapped in a five year old body. That'd be right? Yep. And Hamish is a three year old tornado, um, as you will see in due course. 
He's also, there are also a bit of uh, con men and women, so at morning tea, you may get conned out of biscuits and, and stuff. Feel free to say no. Alright, moving on. They have two preferred spaces that when they're under my parenting, like when I've got the kids and it's just the three of us, there's two spaces that they would opt for above all other spaces. Now I know you don't know them and you don't know me that well, but just whisper to the person next to you or have a think about what are those two spaces? What would your guess be? The two spaces that my kids would go, can we go to? What are those two spaces? I'll give you ten seconds to have a think. Chat amongst yourselves if you like. Alright, you ready for this? This will tell you a lot about me and my parenting. The first one was Bunnings. <laughs> Show of hands who, who, who said Bunnings? A couple of village folk, you guys know, hey, Bunnings. Alright, the second one, I don't think anyone's going to get this, the second one is Woolies. Did anyone guess that? Not even Lyndall. Lyndall's looking at me going, what? What's this going? Okay, the reason they love Woolies is the free fruit. You go into Woolies and they have their baskets full of free fruit. And so what happens, when we're walking through a shopping centre, they get a sniff of Woolies or the free fruit or maybe see a trolley and one laser focus to where they run and they ask me, can we run? Yeah, let's run! And they run off and they run and they go into the free fruit and then they... They don't finger through all the free fruit. And they pull out the, the banana or the pear or the apple, or sometimes mandarin, if it's like one of those woo, nice budget days for woolies. And they, they pull out this fruit and then if they plan it really well, if you have a long shop, I don't know if you're allowed to, but you can go back for two pieces of fruit, right? Anyway, so they love woolies. One day, it must have been a, a Wednesday when I'm looking after Hayne, we go to woolies, he rushes to the basket of fruit and they're empty. Completely empty, that's right completely empty. And the little guy gives me a look like he has lost everything in the world. I'm like, oh, don't do that. That's a bit, it's a bit drastic, Haim. Why don't you go and ask the produce guy over there if he can help you out? And Hamish says, no, you do it. I was reflecting on that. Oh, we do that with God, don't we? You know, if, if we really, we say, we pray, God, fix that situation. Fix that person. Fix that conflict. I'm good. You go and do the hard work of fixing it. Show that person how they're wrong, right? Or is it just me that prays this, right? Change that circumstance to favour me. Make that person behave differently and it'll all be okay. And God responds to us how I responded to Hamish. I said, nope. But I want fruit, he says. And I know now you're going, you shouldn't make it this hard for your children to have fruit. Terrible parenting. Yeah, well... Complain to them. I said, you go. He says, but I can't. I said, but you can. He says, Dad, will you come with me? I said, absolutely, I'll come with you, but you're talking to him. And this moment happened so fleeting, it was just in the smallest minute detail, where Hamish breathed in, and then he summoned the courage to step over that fear that he was facing and he turned toward the man and he stepped forward and he started to walk towards him. Now where does the courage come from to do that? I didn't go, here's all my courage, Hamish, and I just put it in his little body and go, go on, you're going to be fine. He knew that I was greater than the problem he was facing. He knew that I was with him, behind him, on his side. 
that when the man looks at him, in his three-year-old mind, he goes, you're just looking at dad, my dad's bigger and better than you are. Which is what happens. Haim walked over and said, I couldn't believe it, it was beautiful, he said, excuse me, can I have some fruit? The produce man looked around, I think he even said please in there, but, you know, anyway. Produce man looked around, looked over at the baskets of fruit that were empty, and then looked back to Haim and said, of course, what would you like across the whole department? He just won the kingdom, right? Run the kingdom. Hamish's eyes blew out of his mind. This was amazing. Nothing like this had ever happened before. And the produce guy never said that to another three-year-old ever, especially one who loves strawberries or raspberries as much as Hamish does. Now, I handled the situation that way because I wanted to show Ham what he could do. I knew what he could do, but I wanted him to know. I've told him what he can do. We've talked about it. We've gone through all that. But it's not until you're in that situation where he had to, Dad's with me, I can do this and overcome his fear and walk toward those things that he realised he could. You see, our learning about faith and courage in here is not where our faith and courage builds. It's not where it goes. It's where we celebrate it. It's where we express it. It's where we encourage one another on. It doesn't happen in here. It happens when we test drive it Monday morning, Sunday afternoon, when we walk out of here. Hearing a sermon on courage, do not be fooled, does not make you more courageous. Being more courageous makes you more courageous. And our courage grows when we realise that God is with us. God stands behind us when we face the unknown produce guy. God did the same for Joshua. I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. When the giants of this land intimidate you, know that I made those giants. When the unknownness of the landscape becomes too daunting, I own the land. When the task of establishing yourselves in a new way stirs fear in you, know that I am the new way. It's in me. When Haim stopped at the produce guy, he did this little lean back. He leant back and he felt my knees on his back. He just leant back and that gave him enough courage to lean forward. He leant back to say, yeah, Dad, you're still there. You good? We're good? All right, I'm going in. When Joshua faces the River Jordan uh, with, under the, the, the auspice of this, this command God has spoken, he does this little lean back into God and God repeats his words. He says, that's right, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right, do not turn from the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. God's presence is what provides courage. You don't have to have enough courage. God's presence is where the courage is. So often we find ourselves in circumstances where we call upon God to be in control, I would say, God, take over this, sort this out, do this. And it helps us so that we can get back in control, right? But God reveals to us that safety and comfort and peace and courage, they're part of his realm. So if we want to live in that space with more of that, then we need to go, okay, I'm willing to relinquish control all the time, God. I actually want you to lead my life. 
You see, courage is found in God's presence. And see how, see how God makes this available to us. Verse 8, it says, Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now, spoiler alert, there was no book. <laughs> there was no book. They didn't pull out the book and dust it off. <laughs> Meditate on this book. There was no book. No book as we know it. The Hebrew word there is used is called sefer. It's, it's a, a referring to the Torah, the Torah, the first five books of our Bible. They were in scrolls that the Israelite people would have carried around. They, they documented God's faithfulness. They carried around these scrolls, this book as we interpret it, to remind them constantly that God is faithful. God is sticking around. God is with you. So when God says, I will be with you always, they went, that rings true with everything else. It's the evidence of God's faithfulness. It's the stories of how God is faithful. It's the accumulation of testimony of what God has done and therefore can do. And, and, and God says, carry that around on your lips. It's a little bit strange, right? Because you think about carrying around a mint on your lips, usually on your tongue. You realise when it's on your lips, you're going to drop it, but on your tongue. But he was saying, he was saying, be ready to speak of the things that Jesus has done. Be ready to encourage yourselves and others with what Jesus has done in your past so that you can face your future. Meditate on that day and night, the scripture says. And what did Jesus do? Because it's important that we remember. We're going to share communion in just a few moments. That's us remembering, being remembered in Christ. Jesus redeemed fear to protect us, not to limit us. That's what Jesus did. He took fear. He said, I'm not taking fear away. Fear is a good thing under the right circumstances. I'm going to redeem it. So it protects you, but it doesn't limit you. The cross upon which he hung, the death he embraced, the victory that he secured for us, is how he faced the ultimate fear we all have. Death. Every fear we have is attached in some way to death. And he created a way through it. Jesus created a way through it. When we trust in Jesus, when we place our courage in Christ, in what Jesus has done and can do, rather than what we have done and we can do, not even death is strong enough to threaten our resolve. Not even death. Most of what we really fear is attached to death or dying. But Jesus creates a way through that to, for us to follow from death to life. He says, come follow me, trust in me. I'll give you everything you need, just, just walk with me. It's true of when we die, but it's also true now when it comes to the death that surrounds us. Those things you fear so much that you would rather die, Jesus invites you to trust and follow him through that to life. That's what it means to live in the presence of God to live in the constant awareness of who God is, what Jesus has done and how much you are loved. So the other evening, I'll finish on the story, the other evening we flew into the Gold Coast. It was when we were having storms. It was last Saturday night and, um, and we, we had to sit on the runway for 40 minutes as the storms bucket down. The captain's like, it's an ock health and safety thing. The people can't come onto the runway with their stairs to let you get off the plane until the storm stops. I was like, oh, it's a bit soft, isn't it? Well, it was a courage to face that fear. So we're sitting there and the rain is pelting down 
And Haim is looking out at the rain of Bohemia, associates rains with storms and he's getting more scared and more scared. And the poor little guy's kind of beside himself and someone's, okay, Haim, we'll get it. It's, the storm's going to go, it's all going to be fine. And so when the captain comes on and says, we, they brought up the stairs, we're able to go and you're, you're all good to leave. Um, we get to the, um, the front, like the, the, uh, the door of the plane and we look out and it's still pouring with rain, like absolutely pouring. You know when you, the, the, the raindrop hits the concrete and there's this... That's what was happening, right? Only a billion times over. It was just rain everywhere. And he turns around to me and he reaches up because he knows that I'm the safe place in the storm. You get the parallels of faith here, right? So I take off my backpack, I was wearing a hoodie, so I take off my jumper, I put my backpack on and then I pick him up and I wrap him in my hoodie. So I'm holding him here wrapped in my hoodie. And I say to him, can you see? He says, no. I said, do you trust me? There's a very strong nod that comes through my jumper. I say, what we're going to do is we're going to run. We're going to run through this storm, we're going to get to the airport, it's all safe, you're going to be okay. And he says, you can do it, Dad. So good. So I did. Right, I grabbed him and we ran. And it was probably 500 metres and don't run down airport plane steps. Just don't do it, right? Warning, do not try this at home. We ran across the, across the tarmac, down the concourse and into the airport where we were safe. And I'm saturated, but I, but I put him down and I say, how did we go? He says, not kidding, he goes, I've got a bit of rain on me. Where, I say. He goes, look, and points to his ankle, his trousers. He had like seven drops. Seven drops, people. And I said to him, can we call that dry? He says, yeah. Yeah, we can. Thanks, Dad. Haim knew from numerous Woolies experiences that when the real storm comes, I'm all the refuge he needs. As Hamish clung to me and as I carried him through his fears, he still had to face them. He still had to choose to get off the plane. But he did so in the security of my arms. When you lean on what Jesus has done and not on what you can do, God carries you through that fear. You're not on your own. You don't need to face things on your own. God is whispering to you, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong. Be courageous. And I think Jesus wants to meet some of you in your fear, or anxiety, or that knot in your stomach that just won't go away. Jesus wants to meet you this morning for some of you that you may never have that encounter. So I want to pray for you now that you would receive from Jesus what you really need. So let's pray. Beautiful Lord, we are so, so thankful. Everything you have given to us, you've done for us, you've shared with us, is so that in those moments of fear and terror we might take hold of you, that you might sweep us off our feet and hold us and carry us through the storms that you might standing behind us enable us to face down any giant that we come against. And Lord, there are people here this morning who need to experience that, not just know it, but experience your closeness and your care and your love. 
And I ask now that you just minister to them in this silent time by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord.